Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Links to all the social media outlets and the webpage, thundercast.online. In the links, or, or, or those links are in the description of all the episodes. Make it really easy for you to find us. Russ, pretty busy week. Heard athletics, basketball teams played a uh, fair amount of games. Uh, notched some big wins, struggled a little bit in some areas. Our Olympic sports did really, really well again. And we are drawing ever closer to the first pitch of herd softball and herd baseball. So let's get into everything because um, I, I got a feeling that there's some pretty cool stuff we're going to talk about. So let's get it rolling with a quick word from our sponsors at Laser Oliver PLLC. If you've been hurt in a wreck, call the law firm of Leisure Oliver PLLC. Find them at 304carwreck.com. All right, man. Let's uh, get this episode rolling. Give me five things that every herd fan needs to know this week. Yeah, five things every herd fan needs to know this week. As always, brought to you by Nightlink, the Tri State's premier IT management team. Number one, Nate Martin named Sunbelt Conference Men's Basketball Player of the Week last week. How about that? How about Mr. Double-Double notching it up once this week for a triple-double? I've seen the stats on that. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I want to say it's like only the eighth or something like that triple-double in herd history, which when you think about it, is kind of wild because we've had some prolific all-around players throughout the years and all of the history of herd basketball and having only happened seven other times, if I'm accurate, is pretty freaking amazing. You are accurate. There were eight, and there were five players that got those eight. Uh, we uh, also need to to say that he got this triple double right after being named uh, the uh, player of the week. So, don't know if he's going to get it again this week, based on that. But that was uh, announced on Monday, right after mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, recorded and uh, uploaded the show, and he got it for the previous week. So he got this uh, this triple double. the The previous week is when he hit his career high twenty four points, and mm -hmm. you know, just a rebounding machine as he's been all year. Um, but the triple doubles, I'm going off of memory, and this is sort of Steve Cotton. Same thing, if you guys are not following Steve Cotton, you have a wealth of statistical herd history right there with that man. It's at Herd Cotton. Give him a follow over on Twitter. Um, four of the eight happened in at least a one overtime period. A couple of them happened in, happened in either double or triple overtime. But... Uh, one of them, if not maybe two of them, was Hassan Whiteside with blocks. And mm. I think I was at both of those games. Uh, one of them, or maybe both of them, was against UCF. And it was after, you know, Donnie uh, uh, or Jones. Yeah, I can't remember if Donnie Jones left uh, with oh, yeah. Whiteside. No. With Whiteside. No, Whiteside yeah. was a one and done. And yeah, then... but I, th I thought. I thought maybe that was the same year. Was was it Harrion's first oh, year? Oh no, you're probably right in remembering yeah. that way. I I, I just thought yeah. you meant he left when Coach left, but it's like no no, 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 he was a one and done, and he was gone. No, I mean I think their last year was the same. It just happened to coincide with uh, UCF. I don't know. We'll look it up. We've never been wrong on this show, so I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> but uh, uh, Nate Martin uh, continues to be a force down low. Uh, block shots galore, uh, rebounds when you need them. He's just the kind of player that fits into this offense. And we'll talk a little bit later about the rest of the offense. But uh, if we have good shooting, Nate Martin really, really, really drives this home by being able to get those offensive re rebounds, kick it back out to the guys, that sort of thing. Yeah, and of course, we're early to the party this week because um, – they won't hand out awards for, I don't know, a couple days, 
you know, so we might be looking at the possibility of back-to-back player of the week honors for Nate because the triple-double didn't um, encompass the previous player of the week honor. Yeah, it came out on uh, whatever day it was. I thought it was Monday, but then uh, he played on Thursday um, uh, to get that Mm triple-double. All right, number two, Swim and Dive owns the pool as Paige Banton is named Sunbelt Conference Swimmer of the Week and Grace Kelsheimer Diver of the Week. No doubt. Sweep, man. Heard Swim and Dive sweep on the of the weeks straight out of the gate. Two things, three of the weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of what you're hoping to do every week when you're uh, tuning into the Thundercast to get your update. And uh, they... <laughs> This Herd Swim and Dive team just been smoking it lately. Uh, we talked about the uh, great showing for the senior day meet, the home meet, and uh, how well that looked on TV, how the uh, the turnout and your um, your travels and trying to find the bleacher seats at the natatorium, yeah. all well-documented stuff. But, you know, this is just something that's been going on all season long, and it's finally culminated here with an of-the-week sweep by our swimmers and divers. Uh, we've been trying to tell you, we've been trying to pound it home, like, hey, pay attention, pay attention, get to know, get to know, learn some of these athletes. And this is why, because they're doing things that that are um, among the best or are the, be- the, the best on a conference uh, level. And we're going to be getting into, you know, SBC championships here pretty soon. And I got a feeling that the herd's going to make a run at uh, several SBC championships. Um Obviously, individual, but maybe in that big time running for the team championship as well, man. Yeah, and I again, I was there and got to see Paige Banton do that. I didn't get to see Kelsheimer's uh, dives and everything. I was on the uh, left side of the bleachers, and the the diving was down there. And they could have uh, done those dives while I was, you know, like uh, Mister Bean trying to get up there, but. <laughs> Um, just awesome to get these player of the week, uh, or player of the week, diver of the week, swimmer of the week, all these things because we've talked about it on this show. I would love to have an intern go back and and find out how many of these we have uh, we've hit on. Right? Yeah, it's got to be every, it's got to be every sport, but I I would like to see it. All right, number three, Sid Bickle named to the preseason All Sun Belt Conference team in softball. And as an aside, uh, Marshall has been picked seventh. Good. Good. Uh, I, I want that certain level of disrespect. And we know that there's a, there are a lot of changes afoot from a year ago, right? You can't. You, we talked to Coach, we, and, and Morgan's not hiding from it either. There, there's a lot that went on. You know, you can't just say, you know, you lose, what was it, four or five first-team all-conference players – and expect things to just maintain. Now, could they? Mm -hmm. Sure. But it's Mm -hmm. really hard when you start talking about replacing the offensive production of someone like Autumn Owen, when you start replacing the on-base percentage of someone like Alex Coleman, you start to think about trying to replace the absolute greatness in the circle from Sid Nestor. That's a lot of stuff to start piling up. If you just had to replace one of those items or even mm-hmm. two then you're like okay this could this is tough but all of these all conference performers either moved on via transfer or graduation right mm-hmm. Sid Bickle remains which is awesome cuz she's going to be a massively important piece to what uh, herd softball is able to do she's kind of the short she's the shortstop she's kind of the general out there on the infield and she's a, a hustler man you know how many times that you heard Morgan talk about it and how many times did we see it in real life last year she'll stretch that double into a triple right mm-hmm. and that's what we're hoping to see more of this year she did it so often that they that you know they and we all just started uh, kind of calling her triple bickle and and mm-hmm. that's that's what we want to see more of you know she put a single season triples record within reach you know and and if if that happens to reproduce itself and then maybe a couple more come along the way, you might be talking about her at the end of the year of setting an all-time triples record. But that's just one part of the game. You know, defensively, she was she's great. She's absolutely great. So that's a great start. But I love the fact that we are also just basically being viewed as this one-and-done team in the Sun Belt. 
right? Because nobody expected Marshall to be in the championship game last year, I'm sure, because as some belters hold their baseball and softball so, so close, they didn't want this first year in the league team to have that type of success. And what happened? We went all the way to the championship game, faced the number one overall seed at their house, and lost, what, one to nothing? I mean, mm-hmm. you don't get no closer than that, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm good. Bring on the seventh preseason ranking. Good, because that that hopefully will stick in the crawl of our girls and our coaches, and, and that'll – not that they need any motivation, but I, I hope some of those – girls that were on that team last year do feel the disrespect and that kind of pushes them to make everybody's game elevate a little bit. And and they do have something to prove they do, but I like that. Good. Seventh place right in the middle of the pack. Bring it. The herd ain't seventh best in the Sunbelt. And a quick note for our listeners and viewers, uh, what we're talking about when we say they're picked seventh in the Sunbelt, these are the preseason coaches rankings uh, that they basically rank each team one through 14 and they take the conglomerate of that and say, okay, here's what the overall rankings are. I don't know. I hate to speak for coaches in all the different sports, but I imagine that they are not following all of the roster stuff. And even if they do follow the roster stuff, they're definitely not going to see how transfers are going to pan out and, and things of that nature. So these things that I have seen so far in the limited time that we have seen the preseason Sunbelt conference teams in various sports, they have not really been very accurate on where people fall. Uh, so just like KD said, good, let everybody overlook us. You know, we'll let our talk come from our play on the diamond. Yeah. And it's not a, it, it, it there's a couple of factors that play for me personally. I think that they try to gatekeep a little bit and protect those teams that have been great for a number of years. And there's nothing wrong with that because they've obviously earned and they've have a track record of being at the top. So you want, you think, well, God, they, they do it every year. They're probably going to be mm-hmm. here. But I, I do think they try to, you know, like protect a little bit and they don't want to let a newcomer in there. And it probably doesn't make them feel good to have to show respect to, you know, the Southern misses and the James Madison's and the old dominions and the Marshall's just yet in, in not Mm -hmm. just softball, but across the board in all their sports. So you have to go out there and you have to prove it, right? You have to, you have to prove them wrong. And I am going to disagree with you to the point to where you say, uh, I don't think the coaches pay attention to, the roster stuff. I think they do because that's directly who they have to worry about. They have to know how the team's built. So they have a far better idea than what we have, right? I don't pay attention to everybody's roster, but I, this is where their year revolves around. So they better know who they're going up against, right? That's not technically what I mean. I, I mean that what I said, that is easily how you could take that. But what I mean by paying attention to the roster is who's going to be starting. They don't know because they can't see what's going oh, on no. in practice. Yeah, no, no, no. So, so that's what I mean by that. They don't – I mean, they may see when these transfers are coming in, particularly, oh, they got this transfer. But, you know, if you're just going by stats of what somebody did at another school, it's not indicative like no, you said yeah, about what's that's correct. here. Yeah. So when, when they are looking at these, they're like, the side of what they lost is so much more tangible than the side of what is coming in because it's unknown. So these opposing coaches are relying more on what teams lost and brought back versus what's coming in. That's unknown for them as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and look, I, I, I respect the, the, the rankings and I can even understand it. We talked about it with Morgan. The whole outfield is gone from last mm-hmm. year. The main uh, portion of the battery is gone. Uh, yeah. Savannah Rice comes back, but your, your, your Friday, Sunday starter and all conference catcher are gone. So those mm-hmm. are two huge pieces that have to be filled. Now, luckily the entire infield returns, which is great because that's a, that's a, that's a big portion that, already has chemistry with one another. You don't really have to worry about that. But it, it's who's going to be 
the number two pitcher? Who's going to be the number three pitcher? Do you have a fourth on there that will be able to get you some tough innings when you need them? Who's going to end up being your outfield, and how are they going to communicate and work together? And what's the lineup going to look like? Because the lineup is vastly, vastly different. You know, you're going to we're losing a. Remember from last year, we 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 went down the stats, and I can't remember them right, but Marshall's Mm. offensive stats were like. How many categories did we have like six of the top 10 and number right. one and two overall in a lot of these categories, like on base percentage and hits and home runs and RBIs? And I mean, it's it's a lot, man. It's a lot to overcome. So it, I, it's not that I disagree. It's just that I'm welcoming being the underdog. I appreciate mm-hmm. good. Bring it because that that yeah. takes a lot of the pressure off of this team and can work in their favor when they head into the season is particularly the Sun Belt Conference slate of games because Morgan talked about we're going to be tested. We're playing some tough out-of-conference games, some early season tournaments. It's going to be tough. There's tough teams on the schedule. So this will be a very different team in the midst of Sun Belt play than it will be at the beginning of the season, right? And we even saw that last year. They, Megan's team lost a few games early in those early season uh, tournaments mm-hmm. and then whew, just went on a winning streak that was unbelievable. So... um I'm just for it. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I welcome the underdog role. Number four, we've got Kylie Maston breaking her own 800-meter record. By the way, that's the second time in two weeks, back-to-back weeks, that she has broken that. Ronnie Saunders uh, breaks the indoor 3K record that was set back in 1987. Long time ago. <laughs> Long time ago. Yeah. Now, look, uh, of course, that one is uh, that's a little eye popping, but I, I'm not trying to take away anything from Ronnie. Right. But I mean, we were without a men's track team for a long time. So the, the opportunity to break that record was not there for a while. But, but 80, 87 to 2004. That's what I was going to say. But there was also still still plenty of plenty of opportunity to break that record. And it yeah. never happened. So uh, I got two words, obviously. Well, three words, obviously, for Kylie Maston. That's big time. That, I mean, and that's that's kind of like it is big time, and that's just that's big time. That's what she does. So uh, another unbelievable week in track and field. Jeez, what the hell? I can't believe all these records just keep falling. I mean, <laughs> you think at some point like you're going to run out of records to break, or it's just going to they're going to be so uh, broken by so much that it's going to take another like five, six, seven, ten, fifteen year gap before you get there. But right now. We're just in steady demo mode and just breaking the hell out of all these records. And it is great to see. That puts a smile on my face. Like, no no questions asked. It's going to happen every time. I just love seeing that. All right. So number five it is to close this out. Women's basketball named to collegeinsider.com's mid-major top 25. Now that happened before this week's games, Mm -hmm. but it was the first time they cracked it this year. I have a little bit more on that, but go ahead with your thoughts. What were they, 19th? Yes. Okay. So I did pay attention to that. And if I'm not mistaken, James Madison fell right behind the herd. They were like 20th, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know how that's going to hurt either team, really. I mean, because they're right next to each other. So it's not like James Madison wasn't in the mid-major top 25 and Marshall was. They're both really good. So so what? James Madison landed there in spite of losing to Marshall the week before, right? So Mm -hmm. this is just two, two good teams that went on the road and beat another really good team in the conference. So it would not surprise me if Marshall remains in the top 25, the mid-major top 25. They should, you know, because uh, when you start digging into that game, which I know we're going to do here in a little bit, it was just a tale of two teams. I mean, one was red hot and one was not. And so for Marshall to really only lose by, what was it, nine points? um, Dude, that's that's, that says something, honestly, because – I think the herd was I, – I, I, I don't have the stats up in front of me, but they were definitely like around that 30% from the floor um, we'll t- percentage. We'll talk about it. I know, and, and James Madison was far above that. So all I'm saying is it's great to see them land in the mid-major top 25, but I don't think losing a game this week merits them dropping out of the mid-major top 25, particularly to the to- team that was right behind them in the rankings. All right, so James Madison, where they had lost last week, they were previously 14th, so they dropped from 14th to 20th. 
other notes on here is uh, ULM is 22nd, and this is again not what's coming out this week. This is when we debuted last week at 19th. Mm-hmm. Coming in at 26th and um, and the others receiving votes was Old Dominion. We've already beaten Old Dominion twice. Right. Uh, we beat ULM, I think, once. I think that's all we played them. Uh, I'm thinking that that's what it is. Um, but anyway, we should in this mid-major, I don't think, drop out. Mm-hmm. And the worst-case scenario, I think we'll pop right back in. Yeah. Uh, we lost to a really good James Madison team, and when we break this down, you'll see kind of why we lost. And, again, every now and then you're going to be due a loss. You can't just go undefeated the rest of the season in most scenarios. Yeah, and there and there are, there are a couple of games left on the slate. Like, you do have to go to Monroe, and you are going to play ULM one more time. We do have to go um, to Norfolk and play – Old Dominion one more time. So we oh, got we've two. only beaten them once. Right. Yeah. So okay. the, right. those are the next, I don't know if they're the next two Saturday, Saturday games, but February 17th and February 24th, two Saturday games, two away games. That's Old Dominion on the 17th, ULM on the 24th. So okay. that's your opportunity right there against two really good teams that are receiving votes or are currently ranked in the mid-major top 25 to knock them down and take their spots, get all that clout right back on top of being able to go to Boone and, and play App State one more time, which we love doing. And there's a few more games on the slate that, that are going to get to herd some, some eyeballs, you know, especially if they go in and win convincingly. They're not going to be cold from the floor all the time, right? So it just happened in this game, but it is what it is. We have a uh... – at least two on here that I see that is on the coaches panel for this uh, collegeinsider.com mid-major poll. And uh, just a quirky little note, I don't think that has anything to do with why we got ranked on there, but uh, James Madison's head coach, Sean O'Regan, is the chairman of that uh, Mm -hmm. poll. Uh, I would think that he would probably still rank them highly on there. Yeah. Uh, after that game. So, well, I mean, a good team's a good team, man. It you know, is. That, that's yeah. just what it is. And, and I, we see that we see this in polls all up and down across all sports, you know. And if you're good, you, you can take a loss sparingly and remain respectable in polls, right? Mm-hmm. And so, this is not Marshall's deserves to be there, man. This is not like a flash in the pan thing. They're a good, solid team who had an off night and allowed a, another really good team to come into their house and get a win. That's it. That's all it was. All right. So that wraps up our five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. As always, brought to you by IgniteLink. So let me talk about IgniteLink getting their money's worth this week because we did five things. This is not one of those things where it was eight things, right? But, but just in those five things, it was three of the weeks, two records broken, a top 25 we're talking about, and a first-team all-SBC performer that we're talking about. So that's way more than five cool things. So your five things encompasses like eight cool things. That's your money's worth, man. And this was a really solid week for Herd Athletics if you can allow yourself to just not get hung up on a bad men's basketball loss. <laughs> and that's what too many people are focusing on. But excellent uh, five things. So look, man, let's make this a fairly quick episode this week. We're trying to get back on track since football season's out right now. There's not not a lot going on. We don't have to worry about Saturday football games and recaps and all that kind of stuff. So we're moving back into the weekend, and let's do this. All right, we're going to take it around the herd. We've got uh, tennis that we're starting off with. They uh, took seven of the eight finished matches against Miami of Ohio on Friday, and they are hosting Virginia Tech right now. Uh, those are not live up on Herd Zone. I don't know if you've seen any tweets or any kind of uh, things, but it did not have it up uh, before we started recording. Yeah. First of all, sending Miami back to Oxford in a – I can't remember who I saw say this, but they said uh, anytime you can beat Miami in a country club sport, that's got to make you feel a little extra good because you yeah. know, they think they're some kind of Ivy League school anyway, and we just like beating uh, – I call them Cryami. A lot of folks call them Cryami. More, more folks call them Little Miami. But whatever. We like beating those folks. 
And uh, the herd really took care of business <laughs> on the tennis court. Uh, the only update right now that I see uh, the, the latest post from herd tennis uh, on Twitter was 45 minutes ago. And it's uh, they've updated singles. Marshall uh, won four to nothing against Virginia Tech in singles. And they've moved oh, into they've moved into doubles play. But there hasn't been a um, an update that I can see. So uh, at least. The herd swept singles. So there you go. That's great news. All right. Uh, men's golf. Herd did not have a good showing at the Thomas Sharkey Individual Collegiate in Statesboro, Georgia. This is still going on. Uh, I think we have one golfer that's maybe on uh, the 16th hole or something, but I have that leaderboard up as well. And as of right now, we have the... 71st, 72nd, and 78th out of the 79 in the field. The 79th player withdrew. So we have the 78th player, uh, and that one is in the bag. There's nobody, unless they pull a 10 cup on, on hole 18, is going to pass him. Now, I'm not beating them up. This is the first rounds of the year that they are playing, and... We obviously expect better play, you know, throughout the year. Uh, but right now, it just was not a good start for the first uh, first three rounds of the year for for a minute. Yeah, well, I don't know if you heard that in the background, but I guess my dog is none too happy about that news because <laughs> any of that snorting that you hear, by the way, that's my dog over here snoozing like it's her job. But that's anyway. a likely story. <laughs> but anyway, uh, ouch, not the way to start the season for herd golf. At least they wear cool hats. Uh, that let's, let's, we know we got some guys that, that made some noise last year. Bilby's obviously going to, going to get in the groove of things and, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll improve, but man, I wasn't expecting to have like the, the worst performing three, uh, golfers of the week so far. Ouch. Well, and let me tell you, uh, Bilby was not one of the three that we have. Here's the three that were in the field, Cameron Jarvis, Ben Bridges, and Bennett Zaitner. Uh, so we do not have the usual suspects that we have come to know on this game listed on here. So uh, I can't imagine, I'm assuming they just did not make the trip, did not play, that sort of thing. Yeah, maybe not because, uh, you know, I'm looking at the roster right now. Bilby is still showing on the roster. He's a junior. Tyler Jones is a grad student. So we still got our, our two main performers still currently showing on the roster. So if neither one of those guys made the trip, well, that's that's a good indicator of kind of why Marshall's not doing great. But, you know, still, bottom three ain't, ain't ideal. Yeah, and, no, I mean, we had uh... – couple other guys that were always uh uh oh yeah here here's what it is uh i'm reading the article of when they were going it said that they will be represented in the event by those three individuals so okay uh none of the other team went uh but you know we had another guy blanking on the name right now but uh did very well last year and was consistently in uh in our recaps of of scoring and everything mm -hmm. if i saw the roster i'd it it pop out at me, but we're going to move on to track and field. Uh, the Bellerman, Kyle Walker, did you hear that? I said Bellerman. <laughs> Bellerman Classic was Friday, and along with the win by Kylie Maston in the 800 and the records by Maston and Ronnie Saunders that we covered in five things, there were some other good showings. Tyra Thomas won the 60-meter hurdles. This is not a repeat. Yep. Tyra Thomas won the 60-meter hurdles with a time of 8.61 seconds. She is now 5-0 and in the event this season. So if she has ran uh, and competed in that event, she has won it this year. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Abby, go ahead. You go ahead. No, that's all right. I'm just, I'm just trying to say that these, these are the things that we're driving home. Like, it's, it's, yeah, we talk about, Abby and we talk about Kylie a fair amount, but you know Tyra Thomas again, like every who all, who else undefeated, <laughs> you know, in their discipline. Even the greats that set records and break records don't always win the event, and Tyra mm -hmm. has continued 
to just dominate this discipline, man. It, mm -hmm. This team is so easy to cheer for. So please cheer for them. And another note, Abby Herring placed second in the 3K invite at a time of 9 uh, minutes, 24.76 seconds. That is three seconds off of her school record that she has now broken four times, as we mentioned earlier uh, <laughs> this season. But uh, I want to say that if you look into these uh, the things, they had the 3K uh, race for the women, and the leading time was over 10 minutes. So you look and you're like, okay, the, she finished way earlier than that uh, or quicker than that. This was the 3K invite. They had two different uh, things there, the 3K uh, for the meet and then the 3K invite and everyone that was in the 3K invite ended up smoking what would have been the uh, first place uh, in the other. So it's almost like this was, uh, let's get the best of the best out there. Mm -hmm. And Abby finished second and mm -hmm. was only three seconds off of her school record. So just want to highlight what she was doing there. Not trying to put the cart before the horse, right? Because we still got a lot of running to do. And, well, we don't. I ain't running nowhere. But they got a lot of running to do. Uh, but it really feels like we're going to maybe see Abby back at the NCAAs again. You know, she she snu snuck in there and was really happy about it. Remember the video? We mm -hmm. all saw the video. And it, it, now it feels like it's kind of on a mission to make it happen. It just seems like it's going to happen. So, um. I can't get enough talk about track and field, man. It's a lot of fun. We're going to move over to softball. The season kicks off this week in Boca Raton as they have two games on Thursday. That's Arkansas and Florida Atlantic, the home team. Uh, two games on Friday, Michigan State and Penn State, and then they wrap up the uh, five-game trip with Michigan State again on Saturday. Mm -hmm. You can watch these games. I believe all five will be on um ESPN Plus. So the Thursday and Friday games are like a two and four thirty, I think. Uh, the, yeah, they are. But, but I'm it's not showing ESPN Plus. It's showing Flow Softball, so it looks like maybe Flow Sports. Then forget I said that because Flow Sports costs more one month than ESPN Plus does annually. I mean, it's yeah. it's a ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I, I'm, I thought I've, they were on ESPN Plus. I've clicked the link here and. It just says flow softball. I mean, I got to keep sliding out of the frame to nudge the dog to quit snoring <laughs> so much. <laughs> She's so daggone loud. Well, anyway. we, finally got a, we finally got a mascot. <laughs> yeah, and she's snoozing through the episode. That's how exciting we are. <laughs> it, it, this couldn't really have gotten here soon enough, man. We have been um, clamoring for the start of our Diamond Sports Seasons the 2024 mm -hmm. season for two entirely different reasons, you know, yeah. uh, one, because we want to see this brand new field get uh, debuted and, and all of that good stuff. And another, because new coach, new, new, new everything. And, and, you know, can we continue this uh, successful run that the program's been on? I mean, it's, it's kind of wild that we're equally as excited about both programs, but for completely different reasons. So February 8th is literally right around the corner. By the time this gets posted, you're talking about a day or two before the herd uh, lines up or, you know, takes the field against Arkansas. I mean, it, it is right here. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Um, they, the softball team has provided so much um, excitement and, and good times, just good times and fun for us since we started this show. And, and now I expect more of that and, uh, an increased desire for us to be involved with baseball because of now they have a home. It's not that we were anti-baseball before. It's like, man, now we have a place that just we can bring it all together, and yeah. we know how important that is. Well, speaking of softball and a good time, I was our representative at the uh, first pitch banquet last night. We uh, got a table. We were mm -hmm. blessed and honored and proud to be able to have a table sponsorship at softball and their banquet. And, uh, that was a really, really good time at guy in, uh, I just want to hit a couple of things. Uh, they had the seniors speak and each one of them told a little bit about the season that is coming up, but also some of them, their story, uh, leading up to this. And 
if you weren't already rooting for these individuals, hearing some of their stories, I mean, it was it was it was just a great great thing to hear from these individuals. Uh, I also want to say that I can't imagine going up and speaking. I mean, I, I've spoken in front of hundreds of people often. Uh, but I can't imagine as an athlete going up and having to do that in college, especially if you're not majoring in communications or journalism <laughs> or something like that. And they all knocked it out of the park. So I just yeah. want to give them a give them a pat on the back for that. But the main event speaker was former coach Shonda Stanton, yeah. coach of Indiana, who we play later this month down in Arizona in a tournament. And uh, she was here from seasons 2000 through 2017 and just about everyone in that room had some kind of connection with her when you're at a, a school for 18 years she could not have been more complimentary she said she still bleeds green i mean she spent 18 years here now you know when you move on to a new school you have to say that you bleed the colors of, of that but all three of her children were born here mm-hmm. um and she was still has deep ties in this community she was honored to be here and talking, uh, not only because of her previous 18 seasons of Marshall, but she was the head coach for Coach Zirkle. And uh, Coach Zirkle got her to come in and speak, and uh, she gave a very, very good speech. One of those get ready to run through a wall for, you know, one of those. Uh, just, just very good, lots of fire. But uh, they had a silent auction. Uh, I'm hoping that I brought home, and I think I did, three different things. KD, you probably would have been more on the uh, memorabilia things. They had helmets. They had hats. They had uh, hats and things like that. I moved over uh, due to the age of my girls uh, and bid on some things that I think that we won is uh, guest Batgirl for a, a game. I uh, hope, hope that I brought home two of those. And also another one was a uh, individual coaching softball session with Coach Allie Harrell. Cool. They had different, cool. had different coaches that you could pick, and I went after Allie uh, just because we have kind of known her the longest and everything uh, from doing this show. And, uh, I just thought that that would be great to give to one of my girls and let her uh, let her spend some time with them. But that's all I wanted to say. I wanted to talk about that a little bit. So when this rolls around next year, some of the people listening or watching this show today might say, you know what? I want in on that. I want to go and have a nice dinner and uh, go to this silent auction and have the opportunity to do some cool things and uh, and support this softball team. No, you're right. I probably would have been in on uh, more memorabilia stuff. I, I mean, that's what I like, you know. Um, of course, anytime I can get my hands on like official herd stuff, that's that's my faves. I mean, hey, I, great time to talk about the newest addition to the background right there. I was able to get my hands on um, a full size, you know, black helmet from 75 week game last year. This is not from the athletic department, by the way, before people start going haywire and and thinking that's what happened. That is not what happened. This is an aftermarket helmet, but it is uh pretty damn accurate i mean right down to the 3d bumpers and everything so pretty excited to get that and now i've got the the red green and or i'm sorry the white green and black uh uh all the helmets now marshall needs their own really nice green kelly green helmet this ain't the the snyder era dark green this is a custom thing that i found on ebay many 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 years ago that's closer to a kelly green but anyway uh really super pumped to have that but yes i would have been all over some uh softball memorabilia stuff so what do we got left we got men's basketball lost to old dominion at home on thursday 83 to 76 after folding down the stretch we'll talk more about that in a minute and they crushed coastal carolina on saturday 91 to 74 upcoming games they play at troy on wednesday at 7 p.m but then they have eight days consecutively that they're off they're not wow. playing next saturday or this saturday Wow. Okay. Well, nice little late season break, but tell you what, you got to go back and we got to talk about Old Dominion because they boat mm-hmm. raced us in Norfolk and they're not a very great team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is one we really needed to have at home. You know, a little momentum mm-hmm. going and, you know, it kind of looked like 
they they called their way back to 500 team and damn it if old dominion didn't come to town and they just must have marshall's number man they just they just must because whether it's what they're doing or what we're doing to ourselves we just do not have a good uh games we haven't had good games against old dominion this season there's no denying it and you know drops the herd immediately right back under 500 to an 11 and 12 team at that point but i mean gosh it's it's not like we didn't do individually great i mean you know nate martin gets the triple double obana has 15 and 11 foils has 23 and 5 kerfman even has 11 so there were some great individual performances but you said it i mean folded down the stretch man like big time run to close the game for old dominion and it just sucks to have that happen for anyone that did not see my tweet on it uh last night's loss i'm just reading verbatim uh, so this was on Thursday morning or Friday morning. I'm sorry. Friday morning. I posted last night's loss saw Marshall up eight points with 5:55 to go at a score of 71 to 63. We didn't score again until 2:51 left yeah. as part of being outscored 20 to five to end the game. And then here's the shots from that 5:55 uh, left on. Missed a three, missed a fill, uh, free throw, missed a free throw, missed a three, missed a three, scored a layup, missed a free throw, missed a three, missed a free throw, missed a three, missed a three, hit a free throw, missed a free throw, and hit a two. And that was what we did to end the game. Just right. three, 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 one, two, three, four, five, six, missed six threes in the last five minutes and 55 seconds. And some of them were just poor shot selection. Seemed forced, yeah. hurried. I know this not really Marshall's game. They love to throw up the, the three ball. And, and we when it works, we love it, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a, there are certain times throughout games, like, and this was one of them, when you're on a mm -hmm. huge run. I feel like, dude, you got to do something just to stop the bleeding. Just stop yeah. the bleeding. You know, yeah. get an easy Go bucket, work it down low, score. Like, stop the freaking bleeding. Mm -hmm. And and this is where games really get out of hand. We've seen this for a number of years under Marshall. They get down a little bit, and then they just start chucking threes. And then if they don't fall, mm -hmm. and they the, the op opponent goes down to the other floor, gets a bucket, now you're a five-point lead. Same thing, yeah. now you're a seven-point lead. And you do that a few trips down the floor, and it's like, it's done. There's no coming back. And now you're in a situation where you have to hit the threes. So you're going to continue to chuck them up. And if they still aren't falling, this is how a really close loss turns into a blowout loss or mm -hmm. a win. If turns you can just go, loss. goes, yeah, turns into an ugly loss. So this team is what they are. They're a 500 ish team right now. And, 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 and until they kind of, I don't know at this point, what's, what is the recipe? Because when, when the shots fall, they, they're hard as hell to beat, you know, but when the shots aren't falling, it seems like we don't deviate from that. We just go, you know what, we're shooters and we shoot and we're going to shoot until the shots fall. And that's sometimes going to lose you some ball games. So it was a tough one. It sucked. A couple of things to just amplify what you said there. If you score, that prevents them from getting a transition fast break uh, off of a miss or going down and setting up their uh, offense that gives you an opportunity to maybe even hop into a press real quick, you know, yeah. off of, off of a made bucket. And the other thing too is, you know, it's easy when we lose and see these threes when they're not hitting to say, well, the team just is not a good three point shooting team. But earlier this year, as I was talking and discussing friendly on, on Twitter, uh, Obino was top five at one point with over 45% made threes. He just hit a bit of a cold stretch in a couple of days that brought him all the way down to 38.6%, but that's mm -hmm. still very good, especially <laughs> <Damn good>. <laughs> um, I think what has happened just from my watching the games, and you see this a lot in the NBA and in the college game, but when you are open, you're obviously your percentage is much higher on there yeah we ha we have just been really really contested on these threes and our percentage has been lower so we're going to have to find some way to do what you're talking about dump it down low get a point get two points uh you know get to the line get a point or score a bucket we're going to have to do something to switch it up when the shots aren't falling uh better transitions fast breaks whatever it is 
but yeah. we've got to do something different. Now, the exact opposite played out on this uh, game yesterday at Coastal Carolina. We came out hot and were just nailing threes. Uh, I think at halftime we were 8 of 21, but we hit four in the first five minutes of the game, I think. Uh, had a huge game. Obina had um, and then Boyles had 26, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, 56 out of the 91 points and, you know, Coastal only had 74 came from those two guys. So. That's And that's that's what I'm talking about. If we're a team of shooters, we're just going to continue to shoot until the shots fall. And that's what happened in this game, and the shots fall. You know, you, you go in, you're shooting almost 38% from three, over 50% from the floor. You get two career highs from two guys in the same game. Obina goes 30, like you said. Voyles goes 26, like you said. Nate Martin didn't even notch that in double-double plateau that he's, like, automatic from. And it didn't matter. But yet in the game before, he goes for a triple-double, and you have all these starters with double figures, and it did matter because the shots just weren't falling. So now Marshall's back to a 12-12 and team. Just face it right now. They're, you're in the home stretch of the season. Marshall's a 500 team. That's just what they are. They're not terrible. They're not great. They're just average. They're, they're a C-plus team, and when they're hot, they can be like a B-plus team. But game in and game out, they're an average basketball team. They can beat any team that they face, but they can also lose to any team that they face. And that's just – that's the duality of this team right now. It's it's not worth getting upset over. We all wish they were better. But, man, when they go out and shoot the lights out, they can beat anybody in the conference, anybody. So it's all about getting hot at the right time. You know that. We talked about that a lot. Yeah. If this team goes out and gets hot during the SBC tournament, they can be an NCAA tournament team. That's just the fact about it. So they can outshoot anyone if those shots are falling. That's the the bugaboo. Are the shots going to continue to fall? But for right now, call them a 12 and 12 team. They are what they are. It's, there's nothing more you can say about it. Before we move on to women's basketball, tennis did just uh, come across. Uh, they won. Uh, they beat uh, overall 4-3 to three Virginia Tech. So they finished off a perfect weekend. Uh, after beating Little Miami and then uh, Virginia Tech. Yep. All right, women's basketball. They beat App State at home on Wednesday, 81-69, to but lost the big game on Saturday, yesterday morning, or yesterday afternoon, JMU, 72-63. to Coming up, they host Louisiana on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Yes, you heard that right. 11 a.m. at the CAM on Wednesday, and then they have the same eight days off as the men's team. So it looks like everybody gets that Super Bowl weekend uh, off. Yeah. Boy, at 11 a.m., that's a wild start, you know. But uh, Louisiana, 9-11 and 11 on the season. Marshall, you, were, you would have to think, is going to be pretty heavily favored in this game. Um, you know. They, they just off of a 10-game stretch, a winning streak, ran into what the term I used uh, you know, on Twitter was the buzzsaw and James Madison because they just couldn't freaking miss. So they're going to go back on another run. You know, the, the herd is going to go back on another run. They've got some good teams that they're going to have to face. You mentioned Louisiana coming up next. Appalachian State's a 500 team. They battled us tough, really, at, at the camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's not one I'm going to look past, but – you know, you, they were you, very athletic and uh, and very very good on defense, and we just kind of overpowered them late, like we have. We just run people into the ground in the second half a lot of times. So, so that state will be a tough tough. Right, don't let the record fool you. It's not an automatic win. So Marshall's got a got some tough games to close out the season, but I think they'll be favored in uh, most of them. Uh, but they do go on the road for for several, right? They they may not be favored against Old Dominion because Old Dominion's a 15 and 16 at this point. That game's in Norfolk. They may not be favored against UL Monroe. UL Monroe's a 15 and 17. That game's in Monroe. You know, Georgia State's a 13 and 18. We get them at the CAM. Probably going to be favored in that one. Texas State's a 500 team. So there's a few 500 teams, one sub 500 team, and then kind of the upper echelon of the conference. And Marshall's going to have to go on the road to face two of the better teams. Uh, you got to have ultimate faith in Coach Kim, right? So as long as everybody stays healthy, I like this team against anybody. You know, I'm not I'm not a betting type. I don't I don't do that, you know. But 
I, I like this team to, I'm not going to say run the table, but they can win every game remaining on this schedule. So yeah. it's not often that you're going to run into a team that's good like James Madison that beat Marshall this past Saturday and, uh, you know, have them shoot 58% from the floor, yeah. just 12. They only were, they were only one of eight from three. So that was, yeah. but that's not their game. That's not right. their game. They're they're at points in the paint type team, right? Yeah. And Marshall's not that. So it's a little bit of a matchup nightmare. We were able to get them in Harrisonburg. They got us in Huntington, but they shoot almost 60% from the floor. Marshall shot only 30% from the floor. That's what I'm saying. If that if that improves, this is not a 9-point loss. If you hit a couple of more threes or a three and a few more baskets, this is a Marshall win, you know? So uh, 16 and six is, is awesome. We would have to go back. I would have to go back and look at the preseason rankings, but I know they didn't have Marshall up here at the top two. Three. No, they did not. Ninth, so, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there was, there was a massive amount of, a massive amount of disrespect for what coach Kim and this team was going to be able to do. And in fairness, we didn't know what they were going to be able to do either, you know, but as they won, they gained confidence and they started playing better together and they became more dangerous. And now you see what we have on the floor. And I'll tell you this, the crowd for that women's game on Saturday was freaking awesome. It was freaking awesome. The only thing that sucks about it is that all these people turned out and they and Marshall happened to lose. That mm -hmm. sucks. But that crowd was absolutely great on TV, man. This doubleheader was a massive success, in my opinion. The, a lot of people turned out for the women's game, stuck around for the men's game to where it was. The men's game was a sellout. So that's the type of stuff you need, man. That is the type of stuff you need. If this women's team can continue to win, then you will see more herd fans make a day out of it at the Cam Henderson Center, without a doubt. Yeah. So, um, a couple of things here. We did not have Mahogany Matthews for what has been an almost a month now, mm. and not it's not sure piece. if she, not sure if she's going to be back. Um, her alone, that's 20% of your starting five coming into the season. We also know that we're down Rochelle Scott, who entered the transfer portal after six games. Right. She was leading C, uh, leading scorer last year. Looks like Russ lost his internet connection, so I'm going to have to finish this episode for myself. But there's no uh, denying the fact that the loss of Mahogany Matthews has been big for this Herd women's basketball team because she often provides yet another scoring threat for this herd women's basketball team. They've been able to win games in her absence, but if she's able to come back this season, she's going to undoubtedly provide a huge piece to get Marshall to be a even more consistent winner than they have been. But that's it. That's all we have uh, for around the herd. We're going to go ahead and close this episode out, but got a few notes to talk about. Uh, there's some things coming down the pipeline that you may or may not have seen on social media. We here at the Thundercast, uh, have been asked and have subsequently um, confirmed that we will join a new podcasting network of college teams around the country. We're going to be your official Marshall Thundering Herd reps, and we're really happy about doing that. So be on the lookout for the College Huddle Podcast Network. Uh, we talked about it just the other day on Twitter, and when more info comes out, you'll be able to uh, you know, find all the info to pay attention to the college uh, huddle podcast network it's 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 going to make it easier for us i think to form partnerships when we are playing games against certain teams if they're in the network we'll know we'll have an easy built-in uh, partner to do um you know a team a game preview or something like that so that's really cool we're really humbled and and, and blessed that those guys asked us to be a part of it and you know we're going to do obviously our best to represent marshall the right way um but until next week i'm gonna try my best to do uh Take us out like Russ does. So whether you see us at the Joan, you see us at the Cam, or you see us down in Boca Raton for the first pitch of Herd softball season, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd.